Good morning, good afternoon, and good evening, all of you wonderful, wonderful F1 fans. We are back for another exciting episode. If you're hearing my voice, it can only mean two things. One, that my name is Kelsey, and two, you are listening to the newest edition of F101. Welcome to another Hot Topics episode. This is everything you need to know in the world of F1. Well, at the time of recording, I am sure everyone has heard at this point or at least heard rumors. It is confirmed 100%. Haas has fired Gunter Steiner after eight years. They decide to let him go. He is the original team principal uh, from when Haas first came into Formula One in 2016. Obviously, all the way up until the end of the 2023 season. Um, he did not bad for what he was given. There were definitely some successes. There was definitely some hardships. There was also definitely some really stiff learning points at the same time. What do I think about this? I've been asked several times from my friends and some from other fellow podcasters. What do I think about this firing? I think it was in the making probably a couple of years ago and they were giving him the benefit of the doubt that he could actually bring Haas to where they needed to be. That being said, I don't think Gunter Steiner was given every tool that he needed to make the team very successful, especially with this new cost cap rule that came in in 2022 or 2021, I should say. It kind of put him in a bit of a, a sticky situation. I think this firing is a ridiculously bad idea. I think it's a dumb idea. I think this firing is... What's the best way to put it? I think this firing almost guarantees Haas that they're not going to get out of last place in Formula One. I think because they fired him that they're going to, what, just limp along for as long as possible until someone gives them a better deal and they're actually going to sell the team. Now, why would you want to stick around in Formula One if you're not going to win anything? And that's a very good question. So let's get into that part of this aspect right now. So prior to 2021, there was no equal payout for each team. If you won everything, you got the most amount of money and so on and so forth all the way down. So you're the very last team. Since the inauguration of Haas in 2016, they've been hovering around last place ever since they first came out. Gene Haas is a parts manufacturer in the US. That's what his team, that's what his business does. He had the money to start an F1 team. They went in there with hopes of obviously winning the championship. But after the third year, it was pretty evident or pretty evident that this was not going to happen quite easily. So what did he do? He started to fish around for sponsors. Gunter Steiner is a massive, massive reason why Haas has the sponsorship they have, period. Any kind of new big investment. The whole reason why Haas can even hit the cost cap now is because of Gunter Steiner. But prior to 2021, like I said, if you won everything, you got the most money. There was no relief program for any of those teams, which means you had to bring on as many sponsors as you could if you weren't the first place team. Now, coming to 2021, all of a sudden they've started to equalize the payout. So if you win everything, you still get the most amount of money. But if you're dead last, you still get compensation of some kind 
which mitigates the cost throughout the year. Well, I think this is one of the main reasons why Haas, I don't want to say purposely has sucked from 2021 on. They have developed the car. They have tried their best. But what I think is happening is because Gene Haas is getting money for his team, even though they suck, he's getting some kind of compensation. And obviously this is worth millions, hundreds of millions of dollars in his pocket, probably offsetting some of the costs for actually producing the car and the parts, as well as research and development. He doesn't necessarily want the team to get any better because that means they get less of the pie. Gunter Steiner being as intelligent man as he is and bringing in the engineers that he had and just the experiences that he had in motor racing and Formula One overall, you could see the writing on the wall that Gunter Steiner was going to start taking Haas in the right direction. But Gene Haas didn't inv- didn't put any money into any kind of development for any kind of air wind or air tunnel time, any kind of new facilities. I think purposely tanking the team and you can only go back to the well so many times like Gunter did to, and this is documented. He wanted new uh, factories. He wanted a new wind tunnel. He wanted to actually improve the team so they could go up in the rankings and get more points. Unfortunately, that wouldn't have mean that wouldn't have meant as much money back into Gene Haas's pocket. I think this is the reason why Gunter finally got fired. That's a lot of background information, but a lot of people don't understand or don't really care about it. So this is what the public figures came out, and this is what his Haas history is. From 2016, 17, and 18, Haas placed 8th in 16 and 17, and 5th in 18. All of a sudden, 19th. In 2019, 2020, 2021, you've got 9th, 9th, and 10th. 2022, you've got 8th place, and now last season, dead last. This season, they were on pace to actually get out of the bottom and potentially in the top 7 when it came to the constructors. Well, all of a sudden, they they didn't have the money for proper aerodynamic testing the parts they came out with were not in the direction to improve the car. They weren't listening to the drivers. Essentially, everything was second rate. Gunter Steiner, for all intents and purposes, and his history of how well he wants to perform, he didn't want to have a second rate car on a second rate team. He wanted to improve the team. Again, this comes back to having Gene Haas put in more money into the team and bringing in more sponsors to help that out. I think that's what ultimately cost Gunter Steiner's job, him trying too hard to improve the team, even though it was proven on the books that you could be dead last and still make money for the team. Now, where does this leave Haas now? I think this leaves them in a very awkward predicament. They've got a ton of new sponsorship from Gunter Steiner from 2021 and 22. Yes, they are multiple year deals, but at the same time, this is Formula One. It's so easy for a sponsor to go, you know what? You fired the guy that brought us in. We have faith in him, not you. So you know what? We're going to cut our, we're going to pay you out. We're going to cut our contract short. All of a sudden you don't have these sponsors. And I think this is the trend that we will start to see in 24 and 25 for Haas. Gunter Steiner is the face of the team. Everybody know, or was the face of the team. Everybody know who he was. If you didn't know him from, you know, specifically the race, you knew him as essentially the star of 
Netflix's drive to survive. Everybody loved Gunter Center. They supported him. You know, you you cried with him. You laughed with him. You wanted him to succeed because he was the genuine face of a multi-million dollar racing team. Now with him gone, essentially for financial reasons, I think you're going to see a major backlash from that team. You're not going to see as many sponsors sign up. You're not going to see as much support for the team itself, not necessarily the drivers, because everybody loves the drivers that they have. They love Hulkenberg. They they love Kevin Magnus, and people have time invested in their drivers. They want to support their drivers. But at the same time, can you support your drivers and not support the team at the same time? That's That's going to be one of those things that's going to be hard to tell in the future. I think this is a really bad idea. This was a stupid financial idea. This was also a really stupid management plan as well. Okay, he doesn't have the greatest track record. We we see that. It's on paper. It's documented. But at least he was trying to take the team in the right direction. You can't fault the guy for trying. You can only judge on judge him on what he's been able to do. But when you look at what Gunther Steiner was able to do with the parts and the team he was given, I think he did one hell of a job. Any F1 team would be absolutely lucky to have him as a team principal, guiding his drivers, guiding the team in the right direction that they need him to go. So with all that being said, what's the direction of Haas now? So they've got a new team principal already. It took them less than two days to announce who it was. I think they just waited the two days so that it wasn't to be a massive backlash, but they still wanted to look organized for the sponsors and for fans going, oh, we don't have a team principal. We don't know what we're doing. So who has replaced Gunter Steiner? They didn't have to look really far. They looked to an employee that they had, again, since the beginning of when Haas came in. I'm pretty sure Gunter Steiner brought this man in he's been a chief engineer essentially since he started with Haas he's been with the beginning helping him helping the team you know try to get any better and that is nobody except for Ayo Kamatsu I hope I'm saying his name at least a little bit correctly um I do apologize if I did butcher that name is he qualified I want to say yes on paper he absolutely is he knows the ins and outs of this team he knows the drivers. He knows the direction that it wants to go in. But what I think he mostly is from any interviews you've seen and any kind of reports written about him from the team, from management, from Gunter himself, he is, I don't want to call him a yes man because that's not fair, but to boil it down simply, he is a yes man. Whatever Gene Haas says, Komatsu is going to say yes. So I think the only reason why he got this job, okay, two reasons. One, he he knows the history, but two, whatever Gene Haas says, he's going to say yes. He's a yes man. He wants to agree with the boss. He wants to keep his job, obviously. And it's an easy, it's an easy remedy for a very complicated situation. Now, I also have a theory about this. Now, I could be absolutely way off, but I do kind of see the writing on the wall where you don't make a whole lot of money, but because Formula One all of a sudden is on this massive high, everybody wants to be in Formula One. They want to be involved. They want to watch it. They want to support their drivers. They want to buy the merch. So automatically your team is worth more. Haas sucks. It, it They are the worst team on the grid, period. End of sentence, end of statement, 
file, save, send it off. They are the worst on the grid, but their value, their market value is still climbing because they're associated with Formula One. So if I'm Gene Haas, I'm putting in the least amount of effort. I'm putting in the least amount of money I possibly can. I'm still getting money back from Formula One because of all this budget changing and all that kind of stuff. And people still are interested. So what do I want to do? I'll hang on for maybe two more years. Oh, look, that's 2026. We have Audi coming in. We have a new, we have a new team. Okay, so they might be worse than us. Highly doubt it, but they might be. But if they are, or if, if Haas still stays the worst team in Formula One, one can only think, and maybe Gene Haas is like, well, I wonder if there's another guy that wants to get into Formula One that's having a really tough time. Maybe I'll just sell him the team on what would be a cheaper price and I'll still make a fuck ton of money. Now, I wonder who that guy could be. Hmm. Any guesses out there? Yeah, yeah. If you said Andretti, you'd be absolutely 100% correct. My conspiracy theory, if you want, if you want to think about it that way, is that Gene Haas is purposely tanking Haas. He's making money. His team sucks. He doesn't really care. Andretti's cut. He's looking at Andretti who wants to come into Formula One. He has spent way too much money to get into Formula One, but he's got the resources. He's got the supply. He's got the sponsors. So why don't we just sell to the guy who's 100% ready? He can just come in, fire everybody if he wants. Gene Haas doesn't give a shit. He's got all the production. He's got all his own team. He's got all the brand new shiny facilities. And all of a sudden I'm making a ton of money and I'm out. That's what I think Gene Haas is legitimately doing. He's barely doing any kind of effort. His team is still making money somehow, and he's just going to sell it to Andretti for a profit, and he's just going to fuck off, and you're never going to hear from him ever again. If this is his plan, if my conspiracy theory is correct, it will be an absolutely devastating and sad development for formula one losing somebody like gunter steiner because an owner just wants to make a ton of money and he doesn't give a shit about the actual sport about the team and about the employees now i could absolutely be 100 wrong about this but you know one to two years even by the end of this season you never know we might be getting an announcement that one team's been sold and another team's been bought and and surprise all of a sudden, Haas is sold. Moving on, next topic. Speaking of hiring and firing, Total Wolf has a brand new three-year extension going into 2026 now. There is absolutely no detail about how much he's getting paid. Uh, he is 52 years old, and he owns 33% of Mercedes Patronus F1 team. So it's essentially a boss going to his computer, printing out the new hiring form, giving himself a new contract till kind of whenever he feels like it and just hitting send and setting it off the payroll. The only difference between his contract and any other contract for any other team, pretty much in any other sport, because Total Wolf is so important and because he owns so much of the team, is that he has absolutely no performance-based clauses. Normally, in any other sport, let's pick... Hey, stick with Formula One. Let's say you are Gunter Steiner. <laughs> Sorry to pick on you, but let's go with that one. You sign a new contract, three years. Okay. For you to live out your entire three years, you have to hit certain goals. You have to complete, you know, it can be anything from so many laps, 
so many upgrades, so many points for the constructors, so many points for the drivers, so much sponsorship money you have to bring in. There are goals that you have to hit, not only A, to reach the end of your contract, but to secure sometimes financial bonuses. Kind of like hockey players, you score so many goals, you get an extra million and a half dollars from your sponsors, you know, that kind of stuff. Total Wolf doesn't have any of this. He just signed another three-year deal, getting paid probably way too much for what he does, although he does have the track record to prove that he deserves every single dollar he makes, but he has no danger behind it. He doesn't have to promise Lewis Hamilton a championship car in the next three years to win his eighth championship. Shit, he doesn't even have to provide a car for the next three years. They don't even have to place in the top 10, and he still won't get fired. Is this good? Is this bad? I'm leaning more towards, because of the track record of Total Wolf, this is definitely a, it's a good thing. It takes the stress off of worrying about every single detail, although I'm sure he already does, but it helps the team perform a little bit more naturally. He's not watching over the shoulder of his engineers any more than he normally would any other year contract year or not. Um, Of course, the engineers have performance-based bonuses, as does the drivers, I'm sure. But when you don't have, you know, your team principal breathing down your neck, it makes you or it helps you perform that much better. I think this is why this is the, the benefit of this contract. I'm sure also this is why he put these conditions in his contract, not to make anybody else's anybody else's life more stressful than it needs to be. I think this will prove to be quite a benefit to Mercedes, not only because they're keeping total wolf for another three years, but because they can work at their own natural pace. As long as they keep the side pods on the car total, if you're listening, keep the side pods on the car, please do so. If you actually want a chance to get second again, or maybe third, you know, keep the side pods on. Um, It also lets them have the freedom to produce the car the way the drivers want without a whole lot of repercussion. The 2024 car for Mercedes, they are moving at least Lewis Hamilton's seat back uh, about 20 centimeters, I believe it is, in the chassis. This year, or 2023 season, Lewis was complaining that his seat was too far forward, so it kind of threw off where he was in the car, which kind of threw off everything else. So they've moved the seat back. No sweat, no foul. You just kind of go along with work work with it. When will we see Total Wolf retire? So three years brings him to 2026. At this point, he's a legend in the sport. He doesn't he himself does not have anything else to prove in Formula One. I think personally, the only reason why he is still two reasons why he's doing this. One, he does still love the sport. And two, I think he's going to be around just long enough till Hamilton eventually wins his eighth championship, then Total Wolf will leave, or Lewis Hamilton decides to hang it up, or he may go to another team. If that ever happens, then I guess you'll, then I'm, I'm predicting that you will see Total Wolf move on from there as well. But as of right now, we will get to see Total Wolf's smiling face again till at least 2026. And all this brings us into the next topic of conversation tonight, and it is driver contracts. Generally, it's not a big deal. You have one or two drivers that will have their contracts done at the end of a year. 
and then they either resign or they don't. It's just kind of how the world works. Not a whole lot of attention is paid to this. Since I have started watching Formula One, I have never seen this many drivers' contracts be up in the exact same year. I have seen two or three, maybe four at the most out of the 20, but that's generally it. Well, this year in 2024, you have 15 drivers' contracts that are up, which is like obviously over half the grid. It's a little astonishing that some of these teams let these drivers' contracts go already without having to sign them again. If you're wondering who these drivers are, let's go through them now. These are the 15 drivers whose contracts are up in 2024. Alex Albon, Logan Sargent, Yuki Tsunoda, Daniel Ricciardo, Valtteri Bottas, Joe Guanyu, Kevin Magnussen, Nico Hulkenberg, Gasly, Ocon. These, uh, Fernando Alonso, uh, Checo Perez. Lance Stroll, we don't know when his contract is actually up. It's supposed to be, just by general contract length, uh, Lance Stroll's contract is supposed to be up in 2024. But hey, since daddy owns the team, who knows when he might get fired or retired. And the two most surprising drivers that do not have a contract past 2024 is Leclerc and Seitz. There are some there, massive names throughout the entire list that don't have contracts to, at past 2024 there's a couple ways you can look at this one each team wants to see how the drivers perform before they sign a new contract length how much it is you know the general kind of sportsmanship thing on the other hand and i kind of like this idea better is that maybe some of the teams are preparing for a massive shakeup in 25 maybe a lot of these drivers aren't going to be in the teams that there are now because if you notice it's a lot of you know there's a, the, the entire Ferrari team, the entire Alpine team, the entire Haas team, uh, the entire Red Bull racing bulls, Red Bulls, you know, Alpha Tauri, whatever you want to call them. Now that entire team is up for grabs. Um, Williams, that entire team is up for grabs. There's so many teams that have both drivers that are up at the end of 2024. I am predicting that you're going to see a shakeup. They're going to stay the same drivers for 25. But I don't be surprised if a lot of these drivers are wearing different colors and driving different cars in 2025. I expect Fernando Alonso, for example, to stay at Aston Martin. I would not be surprised if Lance Stroll finally went somewhere else. Will somebody else pick up Lance Stroll? That's a it's a 50-50 mark. I know I pick on him a lot, especially last season, just prefer his uh, lack of performance. That being said, he did have a very unlucky year. He's still a middle of the grid kind of driver, but at this point, I don't think middle of the grid is good enough anymore. Either you're falling behind or you're catching up in a very strategic way like Williams when it comes to Alex Albon. They need to snatch him up, give him that contract that he needs and that he wants because the way that he's been driving the last two years, he's put Williams back on the map. He's brought in more sponsorship money. He's got that consistency when it comes to practice to qualifying, to the shootouts, to the actual races. If Williams doesn't sign Alex Albon by the mid-season of 2024, I am going to say that Alex Albon will be heading to a different team. Now, what team would he be headed to? I don't see him going, in my opinion, backwards to Salba for at, for one year, and then all of a sudden it's Audi. Um, Audi has yet to decide who their second driver is. 
I can see out and he's definitely not going to be going to racing bulls again. I think that's more of a lateral move than a step forward. Yes, it is still the sister team of Red Bull, but just because you're the younger sister of a champion doesn't make you a champion. You still have to prove it on your own. And Alfred Tari last year, just it, they didn't prove it enough for me. I can see Albon going to Aston Martin. I can see Albon replacing Stroll. I absolutely 100% can. Fernando Alonso, I can see him a couple more years, maybe one more three-year contract at Aston Martin before he either moves on to a different team or before Fernando finally retires and calls it quits just because it may not be as much fun as it used to be. Uh, Checo Perez, I see him staying in Red Bull. I just think it's going to be how he performs this year will determine how much money he's going to make as well as the length of his contract. I mean, when you've got someone like Carlos Seitz and Charles Leclerc for Ferrari, all reports say that they'll be staying at Ferrari, but you would think that you'd want to prioritize and get those guys signed before the beginning of the season or hell, have them sign an extension before the end of last season. If there is going to be any big moves, it would be something along the lines of, and man, this this out of the universe would be Albon to Ferrari. I can see that to a certain extent. I can see either one of the Ferrari drivers replacing Perez, and I can see Perez replacing either one of the Ferrari drivers. Um, when it comes to Alpine, do you really want to drive for Alpine? A team that consistently, consistently can't get past six in the constructors, consistently shoots themselves in the foots by restarting and revamping their developmental program every two years for absolutely no reason and no consistency. I wouldn't want to drive for them, but at the same time, like we'll give Valtteri Bottas for an example. Do you want to stick with Salba for, or sorry, kick for another year where you don't really know if you're going to go anywhere and then potentially be replaced by the time Audi comes in? Cause they've got a driver selected already. So now they've only got one more seat and you got two drivers. So something has to give in that spot or, you know, Hulkenberg and Magnuson, do they stick around in Haas? Is Haas even going to be around long enough for them to get a contract extension? There's so many great areas when it comes to contracts for the next season after 2024, it's going to be very, very interesting to see who stays and who goes. The rest of the contracts are pretty straightforward and uh, three drivers whose contract is up in 2025. Lewis Hamilton, George Russell, and Lando Norris expect Mercedes to re-sign both of their drivers. I'm going to say by mid-season this year. You don't want to lose Hamilton. You don't want to lose Russell. They are the backbones of that team. Plus, I don't think any other team would be able to afford them. Maybe Ferrari, maybe Red Bull at best. But Max Verstappen's tied up until 2028. I don't see him going anywhere ever if he does go somewhere else he's done in formula one i don't see max going anywhere except for red bull and then in 2026 oscar piastri that's when his contract is up i can see depending on how mclaren does the next year and a half i can i can potentially see piastri going to one of three other teams i can see piastri easily scooting into mercedes I can see him fitting in very well in Ferrari, although I don't know if the strategies would help him, but at this point, is Ferrari really a better car than McLaren? Some say yes, some say no. It all depends on what 2024 looks like. Or in my perfect world as a Red Bull fan, 
I would absolutely 100% love to see Oscar Piastri replace whoever the second seat at Red Bull is. For all you Red Bull fans out there, just, just think of the possibility of Max Verstappen and Oscar Piastri in Red Bull colors. That is the dynamic duo, I believe, in Formula One. If you know Max sticks around that long, if Piastri is even interested, depending on how long the new contract is, you know, so on and so forth. You just, you never really know. Right now, we're going to turn our attention to a ever-going saga about one team. And you've heard me misname the team once or twice already in this podcast. I guess I'm sure you can name which one. It's, it's AlphaTauri. Or is it Racing Bulls? Or is it Visa Cash App RB? That is right. We're talking about the exact same team. I don't even know what to call it anymore. Red Bull's sister team at this point. Uh, all of a sudden, as of the 18th of January of this year, it was spotted at some on-track um, testing hours that the new livery is out and a new name all of a sudden appeared at uh, a part of the car which was not supposed to be seen yet. Uh, all of a sudden, the Racing Bulls logo and name is gone. Now, if that was ever actual a bona fide statement, nobody really 100% knows I was kind of hoping it was because at least you'd know the association with what other team it was. I like the logo. The color was great, but it looks, and this is all unofficial, unofficially the AlphaTauri slash racing bulls team for 2024 will potentially be called the visa cash app red RB, like not even red bull, just RB or does RB stand for racing bulls? Who knows? I hate this name. I 100% unequivocally absolutely hate this, this sponsorship mouth garbage that they're putting on this. If they put this on the side of the car, it is absolutely it's, it's bullshit. And the reason why I don't like this name is that when you look at the tradition of any kind of sports team, whether it's football American football, Formula One, hockey, rugby, cricket, whatever sport you love, whatever sports you play, there's a team name. It's not a sponsorship name. It's a team name. Chicago Blackhawks, New Zealand All Blacks, Calgary Flames, Mercedes Formula One team, Red Bull, McLaren. Pick any other team, PSG, um, Chelsea. Those are not sponsorship names. Those are names of the actual organization. Now, in this new era of modern team branding and sponsorship and ownership, it seems to be the traditional way of thinking of sports names are starting to change. It looks like, and it seems to be the trend is it doesn't matter what the name of your team is. Who gives a shit? You recognize the color. That's great. That's perfect. But you're naming your teams now after sponsors. Last time I checked, Visa was not a sports name. Cash App was not a sports name. It's not a team name. They're apps. They're businesses. Yes, sports is a business. I do understand that. I do get that. But 
Can you see, picture yourself standing, sitting, you're at the event going, go Visa, go Cash App. Woo. Good job, guys. That sounds fucking dumb. You're cheering a bank. You're cheering an app. You're not cheering a sports team. And now all of a sudden we've got a professional sports team, a professional moto team, a professional racing team being called after a sponsor. But that's not a team. What's the team name? Visa Cash App? No, it sounds like a fucking advertisement I see on my phone. You see in the newspaper, you see on a park bench. This, this, in my opinion, needs to stop. It's disgraceful. The RB, the actual name of the team or the association is an afterthought. How are the drivers supposed to feel that you've gone from the name of a clothing company to potentially the name of an actual like team name and now all of a sudden you're being named after a sponsor? To me, it doesn't give much faith in the actual team itself. To me, it reads that the team is, they've, for lack of a better term and no pun intended, they've cashed out. They don't care. The money is more important than the identity of the drivers in the team. Now, at this point, the drivers are more identifiable than the team itself. Yuki Sonoda, Danny Rick. Daniel Ricardo, the honey badger. That's more recognizable than the team they fucking drive for. How disgraceful is that? You need to have them side by side in the same conversation. Max Verstappen, Red Bull, Oscar Piastri, McLaren, Carlos Seitz, Ferrari. They go hand in hand. But when you're thinking about Yuki Tsunoda, when you're thinking about Daniel Ricardo, it's just, oh yeah, they drive for who? What, what team do they drive for? Oh, they don't drive for a team. They drive for a sponsor. I think Formula One and the FIA need to stop this. They need to keep the spirit of sport alive in the organization. Take away the name. Take away the sponsorship in the name. Don't let the money take over the pride of the actual team, of the history of Formula One. Hell, of the, team, the history of the team and the drivers themselves. Don't let cash be king. Yeah, it's important. Everything costs everything. It's not cheap to be in Formula One. It's not cheap to be in any sport. But don't let sponsorship money take over the love and the identification of the actual teams and the drivers. I hope this is not the actual name of the team. I hope it's just a sponsorship logo that somebody saw on the car that we've all misinterpreted. Maybe this team is sponsored by Visa Cash App, but it was just a sponsorship trial where they want to put it on the car, what they want to call the sponsorship spot itself. I really hope we don't see this anymore in Formula One. I hope the team names stay the team names, but in an ever-evolving world and ever-evolving sport, I want to be wrong, but I don't think it's going to be too long before we see more teams being named after their actual sponsors than the teams themselves. This next topic we're going to cover is more important the more you look into it than it does on the surface. So engine limit in Formula One used to be four power units per year, okay? Which generally some teams might blow through by the half in the year. So when you replace a power unit, you've got one less. Once you're done all four, then all of a sudden you get grid penalties. If you can refurbish the old ones, which doesn't, which don't usually happen, 
you don't get as big of a penalty. Well, F1 has decided that they're going to take down the allocation from four power units to three power units in the 2024 season. Keeping in mind now that we have 24 races and you now have one less power unit allocation than you did before. Now, what does this mean? That means each unit has to last. If you want to get no penalties whatsoever, each power unit has to last eight races, which doesn't seem that difficult. It's eight races. How hard can it be for a Formula One power unit to last eight races? It is ridiculously hard. If it's not for the weather and just the performance of the engine itself, you've got over, I, I read a stat the other day, I think it's like over 160,000 components per engine. Now you're hoping that 160,000 pieces work perfectly for eight weekends in a row with nothing going wrong. Because sometimes one component can go and it's just a catastrophic effect after that and you get an old school blowout and all of a sudden blue smoke that's one power unit and the way these engines are built and the horsepower they have to withstand and just the G forces and the vibration and everything like that. I've seen first race first year and a car blows its engine. Well, that's one down. Let's say that happens to Ferrari. Now you've got two power units left for 23 races in the entire year. Good luck with not getting grid penalties behind that. I understand the reason why they're doing this. They want to cut back on parts. They want to make their carbon footprint less. Totally makes sense. But as us a fan, as for us fans, it just makes things a little bit more interesting and a little bit more intense, especially when you get to about the mid-season to the last end of the season. If you've had a very successful race season so far, maybe you have an extra power unit that you can pull out for the last five or six races of the season. But that still doesn't mean it's going to last. You've got the weather to put to deal with. You've got other drivers to deal with. You've got road conditions and all of the above and more. You just never know when these engines are going to blow. Having three power units, I would expect to see a few more teams get a couple of grid penalties than you would normally see. And that's even for everybody. Mercedes, Haas, McLaren, Red Bull, uh, Aston Martin, everybody you can easily blow through those three power units in a blink of an eye. Hopefully we don't see that happen too often, but it could shake up the standings near the end of the season. And last, but certainly not least this episode, we have more announcements for more cars being released in the month of February. And one team that still hasn't announced anything except for when they're doing essentially their first research run, which will be February 11th. Let's go through all the teams right now from top to bottom, starting with Kick and Williams. Both of them will be revealing their new cars on February 5th, followed by Alpine on the 7th, the Racing Red Bulls or Vista Cash app or whatever the fuck you want to call them on the 9th of February. Aston Martin is the 12th. Ferrari is the 13th. McLaren and Mercedes will be on February 14th. Red Bull, as it stands right now, is the longest. You have to wait them. You have to wait the longest to see them. They are February 15th. And Haas has not announced a date yet if they're going to be showing the car at all. If they do show a car, we don't know what we're going to be expecting. Sometimes you get a digital rendition, mainly just because the car is still in production. Or maybe it's crashed. Maybe some parts aren't ready. It's not super unheard of to see 
a big display with a massive screen and no physical car because of all the turmoil Haas has gone through. I don't know if we're even going to see a physical car be revealed. They are doing on on track testing in Bahrain on the 11th of February, but that's not the official release of the car. Who knows what we're going to see? I have absolutely no idea. I am very excited to see what we're going to get, but I'm not holding my breath to see that Haas will bring actually anything out. Uh, I'm expecting big things from Mercedes. They learned their lesson from the beginning of last season where the no pods was a no-go, and they've obviously come back. They added side pods, and they did much, much better. Will Mercedes go outside the box and kind of come up with their own, not kind of, will they come out of the box and with their own design? Will you see a little bit of Red Bull? Will you see a little bit of Ferrari? Um, I doubt you're going to see something that's close to Aston Martin because Aston Martin is a little bit of Ferrari and a little bit of Red Bull. It'll be very interesting to see which way Mercedes does go. They do like to innovate a lot, but they are kind of specialists in innovating the smaller things that you don't necessarily think are important more for airflow than it does to overall body aerodynamics. Um, yeah, it's just going to be a massive guessing game. I'm super, super, super excited to see what these cars will look like. A lot of teams also reveal new color schemes for the year as well. When they do reveal their car, Alpine is known for this. They will reveal two cars. One will have the brand new specs for the brand new season. The other car is essentially just showing what the new color scheme will be. Kind of like the home and away jerseys. You're going to see this color on these races and these colors on those races. So very, very exciting to see. Uh, yeah, and I hope you're excited too. Well, folks, that is officially it. Uh, yeah, that's all that's going on this week up until uh, up until February 5th so far. But hey, it's the world of Formula One. You never know what's going to be around the corner. You never know what kind of amazing new drama we're going to hear before the beginning of the season. Once again, as always, I would like to thank everyone for listening and uh, ask you to stay tuned to F101 for everything you need to know in the world of Formula One.